Hello and welcome to episode three of the Duobrum Book Club. I'm Amadeus. I'm Darwin. And with us is special guest, Nix. Hi. We're going to talk about meat socks. So this episode we'll be covering uh, episodes two eight and two nine. That's where... meat socks. Yeah. Meat socks was I think two eight. I want to say we're gonna cover the meat socks. Yeah, that's my uh, fourth bullet. Point. It is in the notes. Yeah, it's it got will its get own covered. Point. It's important. But before we got to the meat socks, um, in episode two eight, we started off with the party discussing how we want to, or rather what we think about removing the ambassador of the Victim District, uh, Terence Halu, from from his point of office on request of uh, Kreskit. Yeah. And I'm particularly interested how you feel about that, Nix, like as a player and as a character. As a player, I was honestly like kind of surprised to, to see... Um, Angel's past catch up so quickly. Honestly, I did not think that was going to happen that fast. I was like, "Oh, uh, we're right into this shit." Um, as a character, well, you know, it's it's Angel's mission. Angel's very matter of fact. She's like, "That's what she's supposed to do." You know, like she's actually kind of almost relieved to see there is still a little bit of her home and her empire still here still with some influence there's a lot of Tarlidian influence in Dubroom it's quite surprising I wonder if um, a good majority of them come from Tarlidia maybe it's sort of like how the Blackguard was found in this first pyramid in great numbers. I do wonder what they're doing in Duobrum, though. Probably protecting their own. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, well, they're just probably here like, oh, well, this sucks. And just they, like the rest of us. And then they found members who grouped up just like there's that whole last Tarlidian march. It's a Tarlidian who got sent over here and went, we're going to make a barn. We're going to make it like home. They're probably just chilling up in the tower because they find other Blackguard members there and they can't you know, there's throw. They don't like the sun. Yeah. Light sensitivity uh, is a problem. That. Yeah, it makes me wonder if um, maybe the Tarlidian Empire has some some influence in a similar manner. Like I don't know, there's an odd amount of them here. But anyway, after we had that uh, discussion with you know the the Crescent mission, uh, we went on to prep, prepare, purchase stuff, buy scrolls. Um, Darwin, do you remember what scrolls you bought specifically? I do. So I grabbed some pretty self-explanatory scrolls. I grabbed Endure Elements to help us travel across the desert without dying of dehydration. And I bought protection from elements because I feel like running into fire things is going to happen a lot. Those are some huge moves. You know, that's... that's right, we're, we're just that's future pretty, facing uh... protections and it's spells I overlooked at character creation. I was like, I have money now, let's... Let's cover up my bases. Yeah, some wise potion selection. 
Ominous. Uh, what scrolls did you grab? Quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's some that I'm looking forward to being kind of surprise. Uh, one in particular I wanted to highlight that has recently become uh, invalid. Not, not necessarily. Um, I bought it for a very specific purpose, and that purpose is no longer applicable. The Phantom Crowd spell. I intended to use that solely as a distraction for when we got into the prison as like to recreate the the setup of the prisoners in their cells or just having a lot of concentrated people in an area um, to sort of create more targets for any creature that might jump out during those circumstances uh, because it seemed like it was getting a hold of somebody and just crushing them to death or killing them you know Regardless, they're not able to get out of it. So I was trying to create more targets for whatever creature might have appeared down there. But, uh, well, we're past that now. <laughs> we're we're on off to bigger things. Yeah. But who knows? Um, you, you might, you know, I, it amazes me the kind of stuff that you get and you're like, well, that didn't really get used here. And then, like... A year down the road, you're just like, wait a minute. You're like, you're in a bind. And you're just like, I have the perfect thing. I've been waiting so long. Dig into the bottom of the bag. Exactly, the bottom of the bag. To pull out your dusty, beat-up scroll. This finally has a use. <laughs> but yeah, uh, in our scroll purchasing, we also discovered that not every scroll is available some magics are are restricted and um personally i find that to be a dose of realism i think added to the world like no empire is gonna let its citizens run a run amok with you know all sorts of magics it, it makes sense to me but yeah meat socks meat socks we're on to the fourth bullet point now. oh my god meat socks ladies and gentlemen Dude. hot dogs of Dubroom. Dude, that's created. confirmed. We got a lot more conversation out of that than I thought we would. We really did. It was... It's nice to have a substitute for something as uh, simple as, as hot dogs in a fantasy setting. Dude, I, well, I just love it because I'm just like, wait a minute. Hot dogs oh, exist? It's also introduced uh, sort of a feeling of like, it's a drag bar thing. We can just sort of introduce, like, wild stuff. It's a Drakmar thing. Oh, Drakmar's America. <laughs> oh, God. That's why they have Tarlidia hot dogs. British. Yeah, Tarlidia is just Britain. <laughs> We're just like, here's some beans and toast. I mean, they're, they're over here like, dude, what if we stuffed a bunch of bullshit in a fucking jacket? <laughs> dude. Meat sock. Uh, after the meat socks, we, or I think it was simultaneous, I don't remember, but we were headed to the library at the time to mm. go get magic. Yeah. Uh, at which point we discovered that, uh, you need a permit to get into the library in Right Rune. Yeah, you don't have, you know, it ain't as easy to get a library card as, as a Mac and... Which we were provided means to get. You know, like library permits that sort of aligns with what we were wanting to do anyway. But I was yeah. actually kind of looking forward to seeing what kinds of um, like trials and stuff that the Empire would put you through to get a permit normally. I'm glad Can we get to say fuck that bullshit. 
Can you read? Because, uh... <laughs> like, I want into that goddamn library. I'm curious to There's see what they got in there. And knowledge. There is. We could probably learn a ton about Doob Room if we got in there. We Hopefully. Could, we could learn how many hot dog stands there are. On the, note of, uh, on the note of learning things about Doob Room, uh, as, a, as a part of being turned away from the library, Venetius and Luna uh, met and went off to have like a meeting at a cafe with uh, Theris, Henry, and Jewel. Our, very, the... our future very good friends. I don't know about the rest of the party's going to feel about them, but they're Luna's future very good friends. I, I love them. They're, they're very the magic nerds. Yeah, they're very odd. They're magic nerds. I love them. You know, the term magic nerd means a lot of something different to me. I'll tell you that. Like, That's a good point. We, we have, um, what, two of them in our, our group? No, I mean, when I hear magic nerd, I think of, like, people, you know, nerds that play magic. Oh, yeah, I was thinking of Andy. And I'm, like, and I'm like, you know. Why I am think... I not a part of that? You yeah. play magic? Uh. Yes. <laughs> three. We I three. was playing magic before Zeke played magic. I was going to oh. say that, you know. I, and, and I guess then... you just never talk about magic, so I, did, I didn't register. You, huh. you know, you say, oh, yeah, they're magic nerds. And I think to myself, I'm like, well, you know, different type of magic nerd. And I'm like, well, you know, not really, though. Let's be honest. They're about the same type of people. You have an arsenal. They're just a little crazier. Like they're, they're, are they really crazier than Zeke? Yeah. It's tough to beat. Yeah. They just have more tools for their shenanigans than Zeke does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zeke should have kept his old car. That would have been a perfect shenanigan tool. It, it would have been. Anyway. Sell him the mean bean. But yeah, our... Uh, <laughs> no motor in it. Doesn't know what to do. Our magic nerd friends are from a mage's guild called uh, the Raiders of the First Pyramid. Which, First Pyramid, makes me think there might be more pyramids. Oh, there's totally more pyramids. I'm excited about that. Uh, Where's the Raiders of the Second Pyramid, though? Where'd they be? Luna got a sweet new cloak. It's purple and orange and uglier than... <laughs> it's uglier than shit, but... Some people like purple and orange. I don't. They're, they're yeah, welcome to October. their opinions, but respectfully, you're wrong. October, that's the only time you can uh, rightfully wear purple and orange. Right around the corner. Yeah, it's true. It's spooky time. But yeah, while we had that meeting, uh, Braden Angel kind of kept an eye out nearby, and then Angel eventually went off to uh, to go run some errands. And get meat socks. And get meat socks. Uh, Phoenicius and Aluna in that meeting got a map of Doobroom, which was very cool looking. Um, we have an official map. I believe we posted it in the Discord. I hope we did. I, I think it will be in the Discord. As of this moment, it's in the Discord. Yep. It should be now. Ooh, there it is. And yeah, looking at that map and sort of asking questions about it, we learned about something called the Sand Prison, which is what they call this like huge dust storm that surrounds Doerbroom. Uh, Quite conveniently. I'd love to go poke and prod at the, <coughs> the dust prison, but that sounds like asking for trouble. That sounds like a big magical wall of sand. Sounds like something we should do when we're level 20. Maybe so. I think we should go in there before then. I'd really like to learn the secrets of the pyramid before the campaign's over. Oh, I meant the uh, the sand prison. The, oh. Yeah, the, like, dust storm that nobody comes back from. <laughs> the big dust storm, uh, we'll, sort of conveniently. Uh, we'll be fine. We have endure elements now. 
There you go. I feel like that's some sort of paradox. Is like when somebody goes, like leaves an area and never returns. It's it's like you that you gain no information from that. Yeah, it did, could did be. Did they die or did they get out? Like, it could be really bad or it could be really good. Like yeah, did they die and not come back or does it like just a one way gate to like paradise? Yeah, you know or, you're like oh look or it's on awesome the other out is, here. Did they go? Did they come back and then die to some completely random ass encounter in the desert on the way back? Or maybe it time travels. Like maybe you can come back, but it's like you know every five seconds is like 38 years and you're just like <gasps> yeah who knows you know they, of course they didn't come back they're the future maybe we could send a familiar into it and see what the familiar I mean, we, sees it sends it familiar I, I really no! like how the no! whole group has looked at my familiar like ah yes the sacrifice <laughs> There's a spell called Vital Sacrifice for a reason. I am never you casting know, that on my familiar. Uh, you know, I, I think it was kind of cruel. I had a the perfect you know scouting sacrifice back in P1 when I would take Elemental Whispers as a kineticist, and you would you could just manifest a little guy, a little animal, like that you could kind of talk to and see through, made of an element. And yeah, they were weak as fuck, but like if they got hit or something they just poofed and you could just like resummon them didn't I matter that I, yeah. I remember that specifically like i spent 10 minutes to cast like this fourth level like spell arcane eye or whatever and i was like okay i finally done i can scout ahead with this and you just summon a little guy for free <laughs> yeah I'm like just like Boop, there you go I was like, oh. kineticist <laughs> i can do that as many times as i want for as long as i want yes there's a couple little things i lose when it's summoned like I'm like a little bit less attentive or something. I think. Excited about the new kineticist coming out. I am. I didn't see any elemental whispers or anything like that yet. But like, and also telekineticist isn't there. I'm like, oh. Uh, but it still looks really, really cool. Not surprised telekineticist isn't there. It was kind of a. Uh, if you played your cards right, you could shatter campaigns with telekineticists because they're like oh yes i can just lift tens of thousands of pounds now we almost almost like the elemental kineticist as far as like being able to control things but you could just control everything like yeah telekineticist was like really great when you got telekinetic hall and then you were like uh now i have telekinetic invisibility and i can also pseudo fly um by the way like i don't need certain actions to do certain things anymore because i've advanced all anyway <laughs> they unbroke it a bit but anyway so this this uh meeting with the raiders of the first pyramid also provides us with not only a map but a source for contraband scrolls getting access to the the secret magics uh the illegal magics which i was thankful for black um, market magic oh yeah it's gonna be nice yeah it's I, I, while I agree with the decision to restrict magic because it adds a dose of realism, I also don't actually want to be restricted, <laughs> if that makes sense. We kind of got a little bit of a, a little bit of both worlds. Where yeah. It's like, you can still get it, but they better not see you fucking use it. <laughs> Nobody was some actual authority because they'll be like, hey, yeah, it makes where sense the fuck like you a, get? <laughs> like a law standpoint. But yeah. it doesn't make sense from like a, a game standpoint. Yeah, so it, it only makes kind of sense from a law standpoint because they're also now limiting exploration. If you limit exploration tools, you make it harder to go out and explore and mm -hmm. learn things about the world in which you live in. 
I think they care more about the fact that this place is like kind of wild westy in certain mm -hmm. aspects, so they're just trying to like bring some order. But it also, it's really interesting because the way this empire kind of is is odd to me because you have a mix of all these people that some of them have been born here, some of them have been, you know, are are idons and have been brought here and then they end up in places of government or seats of power and so you have all these different people with different completely different ideals and end up in these seats how they get voted into certain seats i have no idea i don't know how the government works exactly as far as like their democracy or lack of democracy um but you know you you get a real melting pot i've noticed and the way that they sort of do want things done which I think reflects the nature of like random people getting pulled to this new world. Of course, they would become a melting pot. And some of them can leave it behind and some of them can't. Yep. And then there's people that have no idea what the fuck any of those guys are talking about. It's a it's a cool setting. I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it so far. I can't uh, wait till we check out another city, though. That's going to be cool. Right? The... I believe we were, we were told about like a, a large city that has like some of the the most like gathering of knowledge. That's what Venetius is very interested yeah, in. Yeah, same. I've got that written down. That yeah. is Vermosa. Vermosa. Ooh. It's like okay. Mamosa. We'll have to look at the map but and see where that's at. It's a capital, actually. Oh. Okay. Um. But yeah. So after this meeting, uh, Luna and Braden suddenly notice that uh, they're starting to be a little sick. Ironically. Which, um, they, they sit down, kind of look over themselves, and Luna identifies that they have fallen ill with scarlet fever. Ironically, because I'm the one who ate the meat socks. You'd <laughs> think I would be getting sick. Yeah, nah. Angel suddenly became the only one in the party capable of eating food at that moment. I was like, mm, meat socks. <laughs> it was the meat socks. That's Luna's what cured fortitude me. save is dirt so anyway uh so luna brayden get sick they go quarantine themselves start to to treat their illness which i helped you did mm -hmm. yeah, angel helped uh i failed but i helped <laughs> venetius being neither sick nor capable of helping the sick uh continued to run around run errands uh swing he, he swung by Liabrin's hut uh so that we could touch bases at which point um he discovered a an illusory trap door beneath the floorboards as the the house did not look super lived in there were literally no valuables of any kind nothing and it was just odd especially for a guy like Liabrin who has a huge target on his back from the blood sands so it's like going to a park and they got picnic tables and you know it's all like kind of chained down and bolted down and it's like you know it's usually stuff you can't steal yeah or is it worth stealing and you're just like Hmm. This feels like a public space. <laughs> for a moment, like with his door unlocked, I was like, "Did they get him? Oh my god, they got him!" And um, they stole all his stuff. Yeah, started looking around. <laughs> Wait and, a minute, uh, there was no stuff. So yeah, no. Venetius, being uh, the curious type, couldn't couldn't help himself but snoop around a bit. Like something's happened here. At least that's what he thought. But no, he just has a, a clever, cleverly hidden entrance to his actual house. Um, at which point, Venetius goes, oh, well, leaves, comes back uh, with Liebrin as, as Liebrin went and found him and learns a, a very, very interesting um, piece of information that 
he has yet to reveal to the party. The fact that Librin is indeed a silver dragon, which I should have suspected with this guy just having a, a random, randomly a ton Mass of silver coins. amount of silver. Yeah, I, I thought that He's was like, odd. He's like, I'm just a hobbyist. Should have thought it was more odd. That's bizarre. Why do you have so much silver there, guy? Um, I, I built my house on a silver mine. I mean, we did think it was odd. We did question Liam but for him about the silver. We didn't when he necessarily. Offered it. Yeah. But at the same time, we only had so much information to go off of. How much can you grill somebody? Yeah. Great. And we're also like, world. that's not necessarily your first conclusion you come to when you're just like, some guy's got a lot of silver. You're just like, well, maybe he just had a lot of it when he came here or something, and he's just, or maybe it's just what the church. I don't know. He but gave like, us a pretty realistic answer, too. He's like, oh, yeah, no, it's just silver from various adventures I've helped out in the past. Some of them don't want to change their money over because what if they go somewhere else where silver yeah, is accepted? Like, it wasn't that odd. So your first conclusion isn't normally like, oh, he's a silver dragon. You must be a he dragon. He must be. Like, that's pretty rare. It's pretty unlikely. But it happened. It's I'm excited neat. for Aluna to learn about it. Aluna's going to be fucking jazzed. I'm excited right? for Angel to learn about it. Is a very cool revelation. This is, um, it's going to be interesting. I, I look forward to seeing how, how it comes about. I'm still not entirely sure how it's going to be brought up or when, but it'll I, happen. Seriously, this is going to be very interesting once yeah. you tell the party. Well, yeah. by the way, we're working with a silver dragon on the DL. But <laughs> anyway, that catches up with 2.8 and 2.9. At which point, we move on to the highlight of our episode. Angel Tanir. Yes. And her lovely player, Nyx. Good question. Did you actually remember her last name? Or did you look at my character sheet just now? Well, I did look at your character sheet. <laughs> but I also remembered. I looked at your character sheet. It was completely illegible. And I... I don't... <laughs> And then I dug through the memories. You tried and then failed and went well. Here comes the hard way. I was like, got to think about it now. Good job, though. I commend you. Um, you. I'm going to be honest. I had no fucking clue what Angel's last name was. <laughs> Names are not my forte. Uh, I know yours. I, I don't know if I could pronounce Aluna's last name. It's like Alunater Vater or something. That's pretty close. Alunater Vater. There you go. There you go. Can yeah. I remember anybody else's though? Yeah. Uh, just, just purely because off topic. Um, Venetius. Oh God, Darren, do you remember? I. Is it, it starts with an. Does it start with an L? No. No, it doesn't. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm taking that one. Um, <laughs> oh God, Xander, do you remember? Okay, Xander remembers things sometimes. A lot of the time, I don't. I have a terrible memory, by the way. I'm like Venetius. Oh, something. <laughs> um, it's not like it comes up often. It's it's fair. It's not like Nafan or something. You nailed it. Yeah, Venetius Nafan. There it is. Okay, now Brayden. Does anybody remember Brayden's last name? Bluegill. Is it Bluegill? It's mm-hmm. a weird one. It's blue something. And then we had a joke about how. <laughs> Blue balls. Blue balls. <laughs> Brayden Blue Ball. Okay, that makes sense of where we got that joke from now. Yeah, yep. now we understand. Yeah, he said his name, and then we instantly made fun of it, and he never said it again. <laughs> his name is Blue Hand. Even better. Is it Blue Hand? Oh, oh that no. makes me... I was like, I don't remember Blue Girl, oh. but okay. <laughs> blue God. Hand. Good. Well, when you get Blue Balls, you better use your Blue Hand. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 
It's, it's fine, guys. I feel like not remembering character names is far more in character for Aluna than having everybody's names unlocked. She doesn't like people in the first place. Why would she remember your name? So anyway, yeah. back to my character. So yeah, I got some questions for, yeah. for Angel here. Uh, starting with... Nyx. Yes. What is your approach to role-playing Angel? What would you say she is like as a person? Well, I mean, on the surface, you know, the obvious... Cold, blank, calculating. Um, a proper soldier. Yeah, basically, when I'm like, okay, time to time to RP this character, I'm just like, I have to just be like, what's an emotion? I don't know how that. I don't know what that is. Those don't. Those don't work. I'm just like, computer. Um, but at the same time. It's not 100% like that either. It's not so, like, cut and dry. Which, if it was so cut and dry, it's just, like, blank, pure calculation. Then where's the character? It would be really easy, actually. No, no, I had to make it hard for myself somehow. Because um, she also, you know, a soldier needs a few things, right? Yes, um, calculating emotions, being able to handle themselves in heavy situations. But also... Loyalty. So they have to have a strong sense of some sort of morals um, to be a good soldier, you know. They, so she's dedicated to her lifestyle and her country. Uh, so, you know, it's a calculating, emotionless decision making character that also has to take things like pride and you know their morals which they do have a code you know into place and that's why she's even willing to work with someone like Brayden where it's like you know you gotta do what you gotta do you gotta do what you gotta do and you know at the end of the day if we're gonna become a party we're gonna commit we're gonna be a met team. We're gonna. We gotta make this work. She so. makes a valid point. With like, it seems like no one else here is interested in trying to go back. We're the only ones. Those kinds of allies are rare. Yeah, like everybody else seems to have just given up that uh, concept. Nobody else seems to have the motivation. Yeah. So actually, you guys are pretty important. <laughs> I'd say that's wrong. I feel. I feel like we just haven't ran into them yet because we know there's people whose sole purpose is to investigate these ruins. Perhaps, and investigate but, stuff and things like they're trying to find a way back and just haven't figured it out yet. You're, tr you're right. I think that definitely the closest we've come to people like that are, um, well, who we just talked about in this last episode, where um, the... What are they called? The uh, Raiders of the First Pyramid. I hate the Indiana Jones reference. <laughs> um, but... It's like they're probably the closest to it, and I don't know exactly like if their goal is to actually be able to like get back, or if that's just they're just really interested in learning about the world. But it definitely seems like everybody, if not if they haven't lost interest, they've lost hope. I feel like a ton of people in this world have lost hope, especially the Idons. Or you've been born here and you don't really care. Yeah. So it's like. Well, trying to I mean, for. most of the Idons are bombarded with the, it's never going to happen, give up. So, I can understand them losing hope. 
Um, but I do definitely feel like you're right, Darwin, in the fact that uh, these raiders of the last pyramid. First pyramid. Fuck. Hate the Indiana Jones reference. <laughs> the last raiders pyramid. of the first pyramid are definitely the closest we've come. One such example, yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Well, uh, moving on to my next question for you. Sure. Uh, is there any backstory of uh, Angel that you, you wish to reveal here? Anything you'd like to, to flesh out a little bit? I'm trying to think of this. Anything I want to sort of... She's definitely got a very um, ambiguous backstory. It's It's been left mostly in the dark, probably for a reason. Yes. That is true. Like, she just doesn't want people to know her backstory. They're not supposed to. Hmm. Like, she's not really uh, allowed to tell people about her backstory. Usually. It's classified. Yeah, in a way, like, you could literally say it's classified information. Like, uh, you know, she might as well be classified information at this point. Mm. The fact that she has given anything forth is mainly due to the fact that you guys have sort of been kind of roped into some of her... her, like, actual country's mission now we're kind of becoming part of part of her job like she sort of has to sort of clue you in a little bit you know and we've been curious we've been pressing her yeah and <laughs> like i'm sure we'll get there but uh oh yeah it's gonna take time I'm trying to think if there's really anything if there's not like, like how, about this? how about this what if i ask you what yeah. have you as exterior players yeah deduced of my character of Angel. Well. Like, what do you think? All I have right now is that she's... I think we discussed this either last episode or the first episode. We were talking about what we think. And we sort of landed on she's either, like, part of a task force or she's, like, one of the cleaners. Like, you could probably describe that better, Darwin. Yeah. Uh, like, she paints Luna, houses. Luna don't know shit. I'm just going to put that out there. Luna hasn't been filled in that Angel has a number or anything, just that the Starlidian noble happened to see her and she picked up on it. But I think Angel's some sort of cleaner for, like, political unrest. You know, this one dude says something you don't like, you send the cleaners to take him out. They kill him, mop up the blood, and leave. Uh, from a character perspective, once Luna finds this out, he ain't going to be happy. Do you think as a cleaner, like, they're, like, sort of or that she's sort of like a mercenary almost like hired hand or no more like bread trained and the only thing you know how to do is be a cleaner because you walk up to this noble who appears to from what we can tell um tarlydia has nothing to do with this new world you walk up to him and he says hey do this thing and you just bend over backwards like a good dog and you do it and that's the only thing you know how to do like Assassin. a good, a good soldier. Like you have no brain of your own. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I that's how Luna's going to look at you. That's a somewhat accurate deduction. In some, in a lot of ways, you know, like definitely, you got some of that right. Ooh, but obviously, like that's not the hardest thing to do from the either. It's true. You know, like this is pretty obvious that like she's dedicated to her country and some sort of special soldier. She's told. I just yeah. think it's more than just yield dedication because a soldier doesn't walk up to a noble who's been shunted to a new land and just start following their every beck and whim. 
Yeah, you would. You're, you're not wrong. She. Uh, that, that's I, not I, a normal person thing. Like I, I would say that she is no normal soldier. Like this is. You know, I can probably at least you know you can deduce that like, your average soldier, probably looks closer to, Brayden. They have a will. And then compared to, <laughs> even for, Tarlidia, where like they are very strict in this and that, like, your soldiers are still people, like they're definitely still like, their own, people and have their own. You know, you yeah, she's definitely not your average soldier in that sense um well that uh that sort of leads me into my my last couple of questions for you here speaking of angel not being your average soldier what were you what was your process when you were making angel into into this uh awesome monk like was she almost a different class was she what was the the what was your mechanical decisions like yeah she was always a monk always like actually some of the monk like bits you know the bits about just generic monk stuff um actually have a lot to do with why like with the character itself so she was a monk before she had a name she was a monk before there was much else about the character. Um, if you're talking about mechanical stuff. Uh, so, no, she was always a monk. And then, mechanically, I'm sure anybody who knows P2 has and has played a monk knows that her stance is not a by the book stance. It is homebrew. Um. And a lot of her stuff like that comes from, I'm not going to name it, but, uh, you know how we have, uh, the other variant rule in this is we have, uh, the variant archetype rule. Free archetype? A free archetype mm-hmm. rule. There's a lot of monk stuff she gets through free archetype. It's all homebrew. Mm-hmm. Now, this is great, because actually it's like doubling down on monk in a way so i can actually like take a lot of monk feats almost like extra stuff i don't have to like spend monk feats from the class on a, like certain like like my stance like i can get different stances sure but like i don't have to take a stance and from my what... monk stuff so it's it's like doubling down on monk but it's homebrew like one-off monk stuff hmm. very special monk stuff and that should also say something as to sort of her background um very one-off, extremely rare techniques that, okay. well, I'm sure none of your characters have ever seen, and obviously no player has ever seen. She's a specialized soldier. Um, well, on uh, that note, of all those feats and whatnot, what's your uh, favorite part of the whole whole shebang, the whole build? What What is your favorite part of it? The build? Uh, is there a particular part that's like satisfying like scratches an itch for playing monks I will say for this one I definitely like the versatility of the whole build is definitely something I like um, because with P2 you know I find that you can't do you can't focus something 
you can't focus anything i feel like in this game and do it very well you have to get clever like you have you can't just like do one thing you can do one thing generally but you have to approach it many you know through many different ways i found this out by playing rogue actually my first rogue i played in this game Oh my god, that was the bet. That was such a fun, fun build. I had legitimately debated because this uh, angel's actually been a thing for years now, um, but uh, her class was so ingrained into the character. If that says anything about it, um, that I actually wanted to change her over to a rogue, kinda, because I loved rogue so much, and it was actually a little more of what I wanted. Um, because of the pure versatility of Rogue in this game. like, And I wanted to sort of bring that over to this character a little bit. Because my previous monks, you can't play them like old monk. Not at all. Yeah. You, you absolutely cannot, or else it doesn't work. You just run into multiple attack penalties, just screwing you. You can't sit there and slap a bunch of attacks out. you got to take advantage of your extremely extremely good uh, action economy because flurry blows lets you pop off two attacks in one action and then you just you know when you have good movement you have lots of you you can utilize action economy so well that you just have to find it and that's the tough part with uh monk so you get to be sort of a, a versatile marshal so i sort of moved in that direction with this character and we haven't seen a lot of combat yet like a ton soon and to see more True, uh, but definitely haven't seen the sort of combat she's used to. Um, even to this point, we've been very much enclosed. So, yeah, she's not the best at, like, surprising counter type stuff. She prefers to lead the combat. And then she has a versatility in this because she's obviously, she's a melee character all day long. But what I liked, you know, I said earlier about how I can, like, double down on Monk. And so that way I don't have to... I have more monk feats to use. That helps me out a lot, I think, because I get things like... For instance, uh, something I haven't used, but I have it, and I might as well let it know. I have Key Rush. I can... I was able to take that as a feat, and if I need to, I can pop that off if I'm in a tight bind. Get out of it, because Key Rush is actually really cool. Um, I find that a lot of focus spells aren't necessarily worth a whole feat when it comes to monk. But there are some that I think in a bind, if you have the extras like I do, I think it's totally worth it. Um, because I already covered my other bases, and now I have extra bases to cover here. And this is like my, oh shit, I'm in a bind. I need to move, you know, I need to... And Q-Rush is cool to get out of that kind of stuff. And then it gives me space for things like Standstill, Stunning Fist, all that. But I must say, on top of the versatility, and by the way, I do have ranged options. I just haven't used them yet because I really haven't needed to. Oh. oh. Yeah, I do have them. It's not amazing because it's a monk and it's not something I really focus on. But uh, Ranged monk is cooler than shit, though. I know. I would look at it. It'd be kind of fun. But this was definitely a beat the shit out of you, monk. That's what it was meant to be from the, ba from the beginning. But... You know, she's she's also very dexterous as well. She's got good acrobatics. You know, she's got things like catfall. She's got steady balance. She's got things like that. So she can actually do some cool acrobatic stuff. I just really haven't had the space to use it. And then 
I've got throwing knives for range, stuff like that. This is throwing knives aren't the best, but they're an option. Then they're great for like popping off something in a ranged aspect. It's not much range though, because what's the range on a throwing knife? It's twenty feet. It's not ten. That's, That's not 20. bad. It's reasonable, but I don't think I'm much use if I'm not. If I'm farther than twenty feet away, I need to just use my actions to get closer. Just use your yeah. key rush. Exactly. And you'll have better ranged options in a few levels, anyways. Yeah, but like the you know, it's it's a fun versatile character, and I've had a lot of feats to work with because of the um, free archetype. But I think you know, on that free archetype stuff, how it's all homebrew. My my stance is probably my favorite thing. It it actually very much encompasses the style of this character and their fight um their fighting style and i can actually kind of read you a little bit of that this is what you tune into the book club for right Right? you get a little bit of behind the scenes on like the homebrew stuff of how it actually works you don't get a look i get to tell you but you don't get a look i'm not gonna tell you the name of it because that's also classified classified (laughs) redacted it is it is redacted no you don't get to know that it's not overwhelming or anything like that but i do love it very much so, I mean, it's, it's nothing crazy. It's in standard, like, you get 1d8 bludgeoning. Um, sprawling group. The traits are fun. Non-lethal, parry, which parry is really cool. Um, forceful, and then versatile piercing, which these are actually... It's actually pretty crazy. It, it is really good. Um, yeah. It is actually some really good traits. The traits are where it pays off very well. And it's still a d8. It's probably one of the better weapons in the game. It's it's a good stance. It's not insane, but it's a good stance. This is where it gets really cool, though. And where some are, might argue that, like, hey, that's stupid. Um, so... With your rolls, how could it be stupid? Well, in this stance, if you took damage last turn, you are considered to have already made one attack for the bonuses of Forceful. If you had lost half your health last turn or took force damage, you are considered to have made two attacks instead for the forceful trait. What's the forceful trait? You deal extra damage after every attack. Oh. So every consecutive attack deals like more damage. Deal more damage. Ooh. And it's based off your damage dice. So like you do one more damage per damage dice every time up to two per damage dice. Like that's where it maxes out. So it actually it, it escalates me in forceful. So you're getting a nice little plus two on your damage. It, it Well, what's cool, though, is that's on my first hit if I took damage. My second hit if I land it, you know, it's like plus Ooh. four. Oh. And so it acts, you know, those numbers, th- that adds up. Yeah, it does. So plus two with a monk, hit. Okay. With a monk, that adds up, too. Like, like it. it's really neat. Um, and then... The way the traits work with it is really fun too. Um, but it is a good stance, and the way it sort of works with forceful is really cool. That is, cool. and I love it. Like it is, like it really does encompass the style of the character. And this stance was made like way later after the character was like sort of the concept was finalized. Yeah, the the, the concept and all the backstory and all that was summarized. So like it's um, it it, it to me. And it's not super obvious, like just seeing the stance. But to me, and if you knew everything about this character, like Andy does and I do, it definitely encompasses the style of this character 
very much and who they are as a um, combatant, you know. Uh, it's been a really fun, fun character. And I mean, even outside of the technical stuff, because I don't build... Most of my characters... I shouldn't say I don't. Uh, most of my characters are built the character and then the class. Or if I'm in P1, a lot of the time I just build a kineticist and I already know I'm going to run a kineticist and then I build a character. But sometimes I get really weird with it too because like I have one character that I haven't played yet I don't want to talk about too much. Ooh. Um, well, I played a little bit, but like the way they run is very weird and uh, cheeky. But use kineticist stuff to do it. Hmm. Angel is actually sort of a concept, two concepts originally. Actually, way, way back, like, three years ago, had, like, a concept for a character. And I was like, hmm, that'd be kind of fun. And then I had another concept for a character. And I'm trying to think how much I can reveal of these concepts. Because <laughs> um, it sounds so vague, and I hate that. So... It can be vague, it's fun. Because mm-hmm. it was originally like, oh, what do you want to run for? You know, we were talk- we've been talking about this podcast forever. It's like pre-COVID stuff, and then COVID hit. We just slowed down, you know. We just didn't get around to it until after that. But we, so I've been, you know, I was sitting there. And I'm like, wait, what character should I run? Like, I had this concept, and these two concepts, and they were like different but similar, and so they could be combined. And it was, I guess, I could sort of say the general concept was like, I was like, you know, I think it'd be really fun to run sort of a deadpan character, which. She sort of is uh, in that way. I was like, it'd be kind of fun. Of course, when I was thinking of a deadpan character, I wasn't thinking so much of Angel as this, as, uh, as she is now. I was thinking more of like a like extremely deadpan character, like almost like socially inept. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, eh, that'd be kind of fun. And I was like, oh, but what if I ran like like super hyper religiously dedicated character that was like super dedicated to like a religion or something that the first thing I thought was a religion not a country um of course but I was like oh yeah that'd be kind of fun like a religious nut sort of and I was like hmm what if I sort of combined them into one character and that's sort of how Angel came to be as a character is like obviously there's been a lot of tweaks since then She's not a religious nut. She's more of a nut for the country and hyperpatriotism. Yeah, hyperpatriotism, and then it's a, sort of a still is sort of deadpan, but a more like emotionally inept and not like an idiot who's also inept. But <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, I don't know. I could talk about this character all day, but I know we need to wrap this up. But. Um, a fun character that I've been putting together for a long time and anybody who is who is listening right now I will say this character has been in the works for so dang long that and I know they seem pretty plain in certain aspects but like do realize and do look out for anything they do pretty much anything that they go out of way, out of their way to actually do it's for a reason that has something to do with the character. Like, she, and, you know, that's the way she is. If she 
brings up anything, it's usually for a reason. You gotta look for the little hints. So, like, if if she looks at something and like looks at a flower and is like, like, hey, neat flower, or like that's flower she's like, there's a reason she looks, that she knows what that flower is or something like that. So, yeah, you know. All right. I've noticed that in the past, but we'll talk about that after this. We'll talk about that. Yeah. We're done. We're done. We're we're done. We're over time. We're closing up shop. We're fucking gone. <laughs> I've, I've spewed enough. Well. On that note, I think that's our show. No. That's a pretty solid highlight. Yeah, thank you both for joining me. Um, oh, yeah, I love talking about my characters, so I was like, right? yeah, let's get into this. And next time we'll be bringing on Zeke to talk about Brayden. Look forward to that. Oh, yeah, and if you think uh, I can talk for my, about my characters for a long time, just wait. Get ready. You're going to be, this is going to be a two-hour, like, two-parter for Brayden, because, <laughs> like, he's... We'll do our best to keep him in range, but, you know... Dude, Zeke, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. When he writes backstory for a character, especially when hand. he cares about, he will hand you a fucking novel. Literally, it's like this is what I've written about my character. I'm like, <coughs> we, we, how we, do you just com- how do you even consider all of this when you're playing this character? How do you do that? And Braden, we know, took a lot of different forms in his conception. Mm-hmm. So, Tons. I'm not. Even, yeah. Yeah. Next episode is gonna be saucy. Get ready for it. You're ready for it. Woo! Uh, remember to pop into our Discord. Links will be in the description. Ask us questions. Um, vote on the host wars. Who's better? Me or Amadeus? Let's go. <laughs> oh, Do I get a vote? Do I get a vote? Yeah, go ahead. Is it you? No, I want to vote anonymously. Oh. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Okay. I mean, you ain't going to hurt my feelings, but okay. We'll uh, start a I haven't picked yet, honestly. I don't know <laughs> which one's it. better. <laughs> I'm just like, huh. <laughs> All right, then, uh, yeah, jump on the Discord. Uh, partake in that poll. It'll be up for ever. Yeah, just, just, it's just going to be a universal poll. I should. I want to be in here more often. It'd be fun. Right? I like this. Then just show up. I like this. Maybe I will. Maybe you I make will it there. sound like we're real formal about this. We've, <laughs> we've had Andy. We've not had Andy. Yeah, yeah uh, if Andy's not in the next episode, um, you join us for Zeke's. Why not? Maybe I'll Why just not? show up and I'll be like, Zeke. Zeke, hey. 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 You could ask uh, some questions, Adam. They'll, like, partake in the discussion. But anyway. Zeke, why blue hand? Why blue hand? <laughs> you forgot to run it through the filter of how you could be made fun of. Anyway. Yeah, he, he. <laughs> that's that's our app. Thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, it is a high-risk name that you mentioned. Anyway. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Please follow us on all of our socials. We have Twitter, Discord, YouTube, Facebook, Tumblr. All those links are in the description. Check out our music by Dash30. Pretty banging. And then our ambience is all by Michael Gelfie. He has Bandcamp, YouTube, Patreon, and our arts by Sleepyhead. Go check out her stuff on Twitter. She has some pretty cool stuff going on. And uh, we'll see you around next time. Thanks.